Hello and welcome to episode 753 of the bus. It is Thursday, November 7th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I am joined by Justin Mason. Justin, how you hanging in there? Uh, kid is super sick. I am sick, so it is uh, that time of year. Great. Sounds, sounds wonderful, but uh, we're not going to chat too much today. We're working on a hard stop. We got lots to talk about, so we're going to dive in, get into a bit of news, uh, and then dive into some of the steamer stuff that's come out. The steamer projections are out. You can take a look at them. Uh, we're going to look at hitters today, some of the leaders in different categories, and then some interesting players, just some guys who uh, were really interesting just in the season that we had and what they might be able to do, according to Steamer at least, in 2020. But let's start with something that's making some big news. And it was a comment by Alex Anthopoulos, GM of the Braves, which is being taken uh, very... Uh, very poorly and and kind of like a we kind of always knew it and now here we are basically what he said was every day you get more information and we've had time to connect with 27 of the clubs obviously astros and nationals being the world series they were tied up but we had a chance to get a sense of what the other clubs are going to look at look to do in free agency and who might be available in trades so that is being looked at as uh basically collusion and the but MLBPA, thank you, okay? I am struggling to see it as the as big of a deal as it's being made. Would you not, when you're saying, hey, is Johnny Two Cents available? Yes, be, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be looking here. We're going to get some backfill here in the, on the market. Like, obviously, I don't want teams colluding and and holding down prices and the the last free agency was awful and it needs to be fixed. I'm not here to suggest that to me, this comment, I don't necessarily see it as the smoking gun that, no, that others do of like, it's here we go. This is, uh, yeah. we've exposed them. You know, he's telling on himself, would now, you not talk to teams about? Yeah. I mean, if if I am the Tampa Bay Rays and I go, and I'm talking to the Braves about a potential trade, I'm going to say, "Hey, I'm looking for a starting pitcher." Is that collusion? No. Yeah. Now, do these teams collude? For sure. So see that that I guess that's <laughs> the thing is that we know it's happening. People want this is the best be the evidence. Yeah, that yeah. we've gotten. I just I think this is overplaying the hand a little bit. It is way overplaying. I guess that that's where my point is. It's and so I don't want to take away from the fact that I don't disagree with the notion that that teams are um, you know on the same page with stuff and and really manipulating the way the free agent market's working now so they can have it both ways where they pay guys on young on young deals nothing they star out, they, they're great, they go to free agency, and then they say, well, now we're not going to pay you for stuff you've already done, and so they're winning both ways. I'm not going to sit here and, and pretend that that's not the case, because it is, and it's garbage. This does not reach the, the the problematic levels that it's been purported to. He did make, issue a statement last night in advance of the general ma- manager meetings. I called around to the clubs to explore the possibility of potential trades at no time during any of these calls. Was there a discussion of individual free agents or the Braves' intention with respect to the free agent market? To the extent I indicated otherwise during my media availability on Monday, I misspoke and I apologize for any confusion. So, yeah, you know, he's Nothing's being hammered over this. it. Yeah, no, this is, I, this I, is I just, dumb. I, it's it's you you don't investigate a murder by locking up the first person you see spit in the street. It's just it just it's just dumb. Yeah, it seems again overplaying the hand. It seems a little bit. Uh, a little bit much there, but uh, we'll 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 keep an eye on it in case anything else uh, comes of it. However, uh, or, or tangentially, I should say, there are now rumors that Atlanta is is making Madison Bumgarner a priority. Something that you know they were rumored pretty heavily during the trade deadline as as a p- potential landing spot for him. And then uh, and then your beloved Giants went on a big run and uh, <laughs> you know, made made it difficult to to really justify making a lot of trades and so they ended up keeping him he's of course been given the qualifying offer he's not going to take it he'll be able to get a multi-year deal um the braves being the closest club to those north carolina home we use a lot of that uh to kind of 
figure out ideas of where guys may go and and it it can definitely work i'm not suggesting that that it can't don't want to overdo it but um where do you see Bumgarner going? Do you, do you think that this is a good fit in Atlanta? What is the likelihood? I also, uh, second part of the question, what's the likelihood that he just stays and re ups with the Giants? There's been some talk that he could end up back in uh, back in San Francisco. I think that would be silly. Uh, one, I just don't see them as uh, <laughs> is going to be competing in the next four to five years. So mm-hmm. why would you sign a guy to a four or five year contract and pay him a bunch of money? Just, I mean, I understand he's you know face of the franchise kind of guy, uh, but you know they paid him pretty well through uh, arbitration uh, and, and stuff like that. I, I don't think they owe him anything necessarily. Uh, so I mean, unless he's giving a discount in the same way that like Matt Cain did uh, when he kind of re-upped with the Giants, uh, I, I don't see them spending that kind of money on him yeah i mean it wouldn't seem particularly smart i i don't i don't really think that they should even if they feel like hey we can kind of expedite this uh, to getting back into because they, really, they don't seem to want to do a full tear down they really can't is the problem like it, it's like there, there's no expediting this process you, you you've taken on a ton of bad contracts uh i agree yeah. I don't There's know if they're very if little in the farm system. Uh, it's you know you, you took your shot this last year. Uh, you've got a few more tradable assets uh, in uh, guys like Cueto if, if he can come back healthy, and Samarja if he can uh, kind of sustain what he did last year. Uh, you know maybe even Crawford or uh, Belt. Obviously, his contract I think is too bad to trade at this point, and and so mm-hmm. is Longorius, but. Um, you know, I mean, try to trade those guys off, continue the rebuild and, and all that jazz. So, uh, I, I just don't see there being a point to getting your ace. <laughs> I agree. Again, it still wouldn't surprise me, which is the dumb yeah. part. I guess I, I just I, don't know what I, to expect I think with he's this end up in Atlanta. It's close to home. It's a good yeah, they, they need that kind of uh, front-line starter. They're not going to be in the race for a guy like Strasburg uh, or Cole. So I think this is kind of a... No. They should be. I mean, they sh- they should be the ones who are paying Cole a whole boatload of money. They've got, uh, they've got you know, a young team uh, with, you know, cheap talent. Uh, they don't have a, you know, awful payroll uh, like they should be going after Cole. I mean, Cole's really their next step towards the World Series. Uh, but no, Bogarders, you know, I, I mean, a poor man's he's guy. Not, he's not know. a bad, yeah, not a bad fit there. Cole, or excuse me, Bumgarner, Soroka, Fultonevich, Freed, and then and then figure out the fifth with Bryce Wilson, Kyle Wright, Ian Anderson, et cetera, et cetera. Not too bad, but I, I agree. Going for Strasburg or Cole. To really get that that bona fide number one ace uh, would be in Atlanta's best interest. Let's stay in um, in in free agency talk here with Howie Kendrick drawing some interest from Tampa Bay and Miami. I mean, this kind of fits as far as those two teams being penny pinching teams and, and Howie Kendrick not making a lot. Coming off of a brilliant year as a uh, part time player, 370 plate appearances. With a 344, 395, 572 line, 17 homers, he was awesome. Obviously, he won't be that good again. I don't, I don't believe so. I mean, maybe, but <laughs> it's unlikely. Um, but he's always, you know, he's always a solid bat. Like he's just a solid bat. Definitely seems like he would fit something that Tampa Bay likes to do with uh, both the cheapness yeah, b- and ability block, to bounce around. Prospects. Well, yeah, also that. But uh, so, yeah, uh, it's kind of the perfect fit for them. As far as Miami, you know, they're just looking to fill in. And as far as his fantasy prospects for Kendrick, Miami would probably be the best movie to play more. Yeah, play full time or or close to it. So if you wanted to see if you wanted to see him do that, then you're probably rooting for Miami. Miami sounds good to me. Tampa Bay sounds good to me only because let's free Carter Keyboom. Yes, yes, for sure. For sure. And um. It's really going to be interesting to see, you know, obviously he's not anywhere near the level of Rendon or Strasburg, but he was a World Series, a playoff hero for sure. 
And so they have three playoff heroes. Who comes back? Who doesn't? And uh, we'll see if Kendrick ends up going back to uh, Washington. I don't think he will. I tend to agree with that. We'll see if he goes to one of the Florida teams. Steamer has him at 299, 354, 478 in 407 plate appearances with 14 homers and four stolen bases. That's a nice little plug-and-play player, right? Um, with, the, with the limited playing time, though, um, it really does have to be a deeper league. I think you start with Kendrick and 15-team mixers and, and have to get deeper from there. I just don't know that you can do it in 10- and 12-teamers. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be real difficult to roster. I mean, unless you have a real deep bench uh, in that 12-teamer, sure. I think he's uh, he's kind of a plug-and-play guy. You, you lose your second baseman and uh, you, you need to grab someone off the wire. Yeah, Kendrick in like a 10-12-teamer is that guy who ends up on um, – seven teams throughout the year just rotating him on and off you know you fill in at your first base i fill him in at second base for a little while somebody fills him in in the outfield i, I don't know if he qualifies there but so. he's recently had like triple eligibility recently so we'll see what he has next year but that's the kind of guy that kendrick is never quite good enough to keep but can be a band-aid for you for a couple weeks at a time uh, let's move into steamer uh, and, and get a little bit deeper here with the hitters and talk about some of the projections that they have for leaders and then some of the uh, interesting players that we saw in 18 or excuse me in 19 and what they could do in 20. Let's start with the leaders. Now, this probably won't surprise folks, but I was a little surprised because I didn't do Steamer 600. I just did regular Steamer and they had Giancarlo Stanton leading with 52 homers, well clear of the pack uh, with Mike Trout at, at 44. And I guess, you know, the, obviously that's, that's projecting a full rebound of health and, and just pure excellence for Giancarlo Stanton. Where do you stand on that? And what did you think when you saw a, a 52, 122 type of season here, but uh, the home run leader for Stanton? Uh, man, this is hard for me. He's only hit 40 home runs or more in one season. The, the MVP. Yeah, year. that's it. I mean, other than that, he hit 38 uh, the year after, uh, and then 37 in 2012 and 2014. So, uh, and the the bugaboo for him has always been the health. Can he stay on the field? And this year, it wasn't a matter of a bunch of fluke injuries like we've had in the past with him. It was a just a bunch of injuries. Uh, which makes me very uh, scared to draft him in the second round for my main event team again. See, and that's one of the things about Stanton. It's like the price is cheaper, but it's certainly not cheap. It is is kind of the, the the distinction I would make for it. It's not bad um, though, and, and that's so, the thing. Like, it, it's not. I took him in uh, the the pitcherless experts mock. Where'd you uh, get him? I want to say I got him, or actually, no, it was It's not that one. I took it was the uh, the magazine mock that I did uh, the other night. I'll have to see where I where I got him. Uh, so I got him cheap. He went he went fifty fourth in ours, fifth round to Eno, which I took him. It's actually better. I than took I him fifty fifth, and this is a fifteen team okay. league. So so right there, the right there where uh, right there where Eno got him. Okay. You know what? I thought his price was a little bit higher. Uh, I'm going off the top of my head there from from what I thought, and I'm wrong. So, um, yeah, he was uh, 55 average in the two early mocks. Okay. It looks like Stanton is actually coming with some discount, and that that's a pretty solid discount. I, I, I actually think that there is some, uh, some reason to jump in there. I'm more interested now. Yeah, I, I think that's um, the thing. If you can get him... At the kind of discount. Now, he went in the third round of my uh, pitcher list mock. I can't do that. No, and that's a 12 yeah. team. So, I mean, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six. He went six pick. So, he went pick 30 in my, uh, in, in my pitcher list mock. That I can't do. But if I'm seeing him still on the board uh, at around pick 45, pick 50... Uh, that that's something I'll do. I mean, especially if, like, let's say you, you're lucky enough to draw the first overall pick. Uh, you grab 
uh, Acuna, and then you can grab Stanton and a starting pitcher on the turn when it comes back to you for 2-3. Like, I like that start. Yeah, I can get behind that for sure. There's just um, risk involved. And, you know, definitely. But at least there there is actually some pricing of it into the into the draft cost now, which, again, I feel like hasn't really been the case in in recent years. I feel like a lot of times with Stanton, it's it's everyone – you know, everyone's ready to still pay the premium. And so, okay, yeah, that that, that works. And again, 52 homers to lead the league is, is the projection. That's pretty interesting. And, um, and and we'll see where it goes. I will say this, though. The second that he – we've been talking about this a lot with certain guys. The second that he's clubbing spring training homers, <laughs> you know that price is surging. I don't even know that he. So need, let's play that out. I don't even know that he needs the glove spring training homers. I think if he is completely healthy, it's just playing. Uh, I yeah. mean, this is gonna. It's gonna be the same thing with I think another guy we're gonna talk about. We're gonna guy we're gonna talk about next. So here here's a good transition. Mondesi, like if Mondesi is healthy, coming into spring training, his price just jumps through the roof. Oh, for sure, and he's projected to lead the league. With uh, 45 stolen bases, second is Trey Turner. So the homer and, and stolen base leaders have a little bit of a gap between them. I didn't even mention, I, I don't even writ, uh, have written down the second place in runs and RBIs because it's so close. But with these two, I, I purposely wanted you to see the second place because it was such a big uh, a big jump there. And Mondesi, of course, is dealing with the uh, re- recovery from labrum surgery on his shoulder and, uh, you know, there is some concern of the Mike Matheny effect, which we've discussed. You can check out previous episodes for that. 45 stolen bases. I agree with, with that as well re- with regards to the second that he looks healthy out there, even if he's not ripping a bunch of bases in spring, up was the price uh, through the roof here. And let's see where he went. He went in the with the last pick in the fourth round of my league, where did Mondesi go in your pitcher list? Uh, in my pitcher list, I believe he went pretty early. Oh yeah, he went in as the he went to Alex Chamberlain, uh, what, the ninth pick or tenth pick of the of the second round. So okay, uh, but he went much later in that uh, uh, in in the, the magazine, magazine mock. I, I can't remember exactly where, but I was it was like one of those where he was still on the board. Unfortunately, like the, it was scheduled at a time where I have to pick up both of my kids from it, different daycares. Uh, and oh no! So like uh, you know, uh, Fangraphs own Mike Warner uh, uh, helped me out. He did the draft for me while I was on the phone for him for the first like hour. Okay. Uh, so, so that's very yeah, helpful. Yeah. So, but he kept going. Mondesi's still there. Mondesi. And you're like, I'm I'm, I'm just not doing it. I've said I'm not taking him in an early draft, especially a magazine draft. So for those who don't know, like these magazine drafts are done super early because it takes time to print, right? You know, they've got to format Mm -hmm. the magazine. Exactly. So, you know, when you see like a football magazine, the mock draft is done like in, you know, May or June. You know, you see a baseball one and they're being done right now. Um, being done in, in so late October, can, early November. By the time these magazines get released in late January, early February, you can look really stupid. <laughs> and that's one of those guys yeah. where I feel like I could look really stupid, and so I just stay away from them. Yeah, we, we've just stated basically as a general rule here that we're not drafting Mondesi until the spring. If we get any shares, they're going to be spring shares. I'd rather pay the higher price with some certainty than take the the risk that um, you know, that I just don't get those because when you draft him, you really lay off on steals. So, you know, with someone like Stanton, you never lay off on power. So yes, losing him is difficult, but you know, if you click on a, on a, uh, Pete Alonzo, the, the next version, of course, but you know, those who there's, I'm sure there's plenty of people who drafted Stanton and Alonzo. And when they didn't really get anything from Stanton, it was covered by Alonzo. And you can find that mid round power bat who does more than expected. You know, Fran Mill Reyes hits 44 next year or something. He would cover your Stanton pick. Obviously you'd love to pair the two, but you can have coverage. You don't really draft to cover Mondesi. You, you kind of take him and then get maybe one more steals yeah, a guy if, and then if a bunch he's of, awful uh, or if 
you know, like we talked about, I think in the last episode you and I did, the fact that Mike Matheny has never had a guy run wild on his team. Yeah. Some people point to the fact that he just has never had that kind of player. Which is fair. So we will sure. see. This is the test, but, though, yeah, right? Because if he in doesn't, six years of managing, he never had a uh, a player steal more than twenty five bases. He, Tommy Pham was the most yeah. in two thousand seventeen, uh, stole twenty five. That's it. Like that's a, that's a large sample. Uh, it really it really is, and um, I can't think of who you know. There may not have been someone as fast as Mondesi, but I'm sure there were some burners there that they could have gone for. Coming in off that first contract, I mean, he was a guy who had stolen bases in the past. Colton Wong is always pretty fast. I mean, Colton Wong is one of the few guys that have stolen 15 under uh, Mike Mm Nevin. So uh, I just, I have a really, really hard time believing that he's going to let the guy, you know, have 50 attempts. Yeah, I, I and I I think that's a valid concern to at least uh, keep in the back of your mind. There, the health is the real issue. I guess uh, just checking it on the sprint speed, Colton Wong not that fast, capable of running running though, and, and has been stifled by Matheny. So we'll see what he does. Let's move over to runs. Not terribly surprising here. Uh, Mike Trout, 120. You know he's elite. I hear so, he's pretty good. Uh, yeah, he's he's elite, and so despite not being on, on the best team, just his ability to constantly get on base, they like him to lead the league in runs. Um, I don't know if there's a whole lot more to say there. Uh, he's got a two-run lead over Mookie Betts. Mike Trout, do you think you would draft him? Do you think he's good? It's it's Let's so weird to me to see him, like, you know, because NFBC started their drafts on Tuesday. They're their mm-hmm. first few slow drafts. Uh, and it's so weird to see people screenshot the beginning parts of their slow draft, and Mike Trout is not in the top two. It's I know just, you see him a lot at three, two and three a lot. It just it, yeah, it's just a weird feeling. So I'm, uh, I, I mean, I don't even know that I believe. Like I, I, I'm not dead set that he's not going to run again either. I know that they really slowed down this year with the well, injuries that he had. Manager, though, I mean, it's not like Madden runs but if he's fully healthy and if you put up 25 again it just wouldn't be that surprising but 44 120 113 with 14 steals and 296 that's still a viable number one if you want to take him so that's mike trout uh rbis is stand at 122 we already discussed him batting average now this is continues to kind of be an interesting one every year move on to batting average i just want to point out with mike trout his uh, uh, projected WRC plus one seventy two. That's and so stupid. Second is Alex Bregman at one forty nine. That's insane. So I mean, like I understand people want to take uh, Acuna and Yelich. Uh, there's no, there's nothing wrong with it, taking either of those guys over Mike Trout. But Mike Trout is still an amazing uh, baseball player. Taking Mike Trout is, is still, still also really the smart. Call. Yep, absolutely agree there. Now, the batting average one has continued to be kind of an interesting one, um, in, especially in recent years. I believe Vlad Jr. was the steamer-projected mm-hmm. batting average leader last well. year, which obviously really surprised folks and did not come to fruition. This year, it's Luis Arise from the Minnesota Twins, a guy that I've, uh, I've become a recent fan of after uh, really kind of being sold on him and, and, and doing some more work on what he could be. And he comes through as the top guy. Now, he hit 334 last year, heavy contact guy. Basically, I think what you really look at with Luis Arise is outside of the catcher eligibility, he was what Williams Astadio was supposed to be. And um, he's even a little bit better in, in that he can take a walk. With Astadio, he never strikes out. <laughs> That's a weird profile. But he yeah. never walks either. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of a, an extreme profile. I mean, we're talking in his 301 <laughs> I mean- Plate appearances, 4% strikeout, 2% walk. Now, a rise, only 8% strikeout, 10% walk, though. So they've got him down for a 319 average. Uh, what did you think when you saw – or 311, excuse me, 311. What did you think when you saw well, that? Well, my initial reaction is this is another Vlad Jr. situation where uh, projection systems just have a hard time projecting some of these young players that don't have a long track record in the majors. 
you start to dig through his numbers and you go, I don't know that I want to project him for a, what, 331, but 311. He leads with 311. Yeah, I don't want to project him for that, but like his numbers Why? are really uh, like yeah. they back it up. I'm not sure. You know you, what his swinging? I'm not sure you can project him under 300. You know what his swinging strike rate was last year? It it's dumb. It's like four percent or lower. percent. There you go. Like he doesn't swing and miss. He puts the ball in play, and you know if he. I'm telling you, this is uh, this was a guy I thought was just empty batting average. That don't don't really worry about it. Batting average is definitely the driving force with Luis Arise, but there's a little bit more there. Like he's not a burner or anything like that. He's not going to become a power stud. But when you have this core skill, this is a foundation to build on. Simply being able to put the ball in play this often with quality contact, that and you don't swing and miss, and you know how to take a walk, that's a great foundational skill. He's going to be 23 next year. I'm in, and I don't. I don't disagree necessarily with this projection. I don't know that 311 is going to lead the league, but of course they don't project for like 330. You know, but it's just it's too hard to put guys at that sort of level. By the way, Willens Estadio, um, eyeballing it, he's about 10th. So this is interesting. You go and look at his Statcast data, and you would think that maybe he's not going to hit. You know, he's obviously not a power hitter. Uh, and so you're not thinking, like, the hard hit percentage or the exit velocity are going to be high. And they're not. Hard hit percentage was in the bottom 4% of the league last year. Mm-hmm. The stat that – the, the part that really jumps out at me is his barrel percentage. I would think with the amount of contact that he makes that he'd have a pretty decent barrel percentage or at least league average, right? No, bottom 9% of the league. See, that actually maybe doesn't surprise he me just, as he much. He makes so much contact that it all can't be good. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And and you know he's so good at you know he gets to pitches, he doesn't swing and miss. But there's going to be some that it's almost like maybe that would have been better as a swing and miss to get get to the next pitch. But instead, because Luis Arias has such good bat to ball, he made contact on it. And hey, maybe some of them are going to fall for hits. But yeah, I, that that doesn't fully shock me. But can he develop too? Yeah. Right. That's the thing. If he can develop, and and make some of that uh, contact, that heavy volume of contact into better contact and hit even just, I don't know, 13, 14 homers. He only hit four in 366 plate appearances. Uh, so, you know, you're, you're around seven over a full season. But if he can kind of, doubling it is, is a big deal, uh, but it's a 5% homer to fly ball rate. I think we're not too far for some tweaks where if he's hitting 13 homers, Bunch of batting average, scoring a ton of runs, and then the ribbies won't won't be anything to write home about, nor will the steals. But it's a decent little player, and it's late batting average, which I talk about a lot, is very difficult to find. So I'm I'm intrigued by by a rise, and I will have my shares. I'd be interested sure. to see where he goes. I think this is one of those guys that uh, it's really dependent on what his ADP is, whether I'm going to have you know any shares, uh, because he's really just prime Joe Panic. Sure, I mean, a guy who's but but without the health issues yeah, that yeah. Panic constantly had that made him difficult to bet on because I like I, I know you did um, and uh... three oh six for the uh, for the main for, or for the uh, early mock you know he's not going to cost anything. see and this is the kind of guy that for me is becomes interesting with my punt batting average strategy because you, you punt yeah. it so much you definitely want to get some of these batting average anchor guys later on. So, yeah, he's a guy that uh, could definitely, uh, you know, fit in. I'm trying to see where he's eligible. He's going to be eligible in the outfield and at second. second. Uh, and in some leagues, he'll be eligible at third. Because he has 17 games there. So there you go. So, yeah, that's Luis Arise. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued, and it's, it's really interesting. Um, and it won't be a lot, and I agree with you with regards to as long as that getting price that late stays batting down. average. We saw, we saw yeah. like with these weird twin guys that people start really pushing them up for no apparent reason. You know, we saw that with SDO last year. So, uh, and I just have I have a fear that we could be looking at this guy as like a top two hundred player come draft season, and then I don't think it's that interesting anymore. Uh, yeah, 
we'll see. You know, somebody like I, I know James Anderson is big on a rise as well. Could definitely work to push that price up, but I think even with a little jump in price, it's not gonna it's not gonna be cost prohibitive for Louis Rice because you, you just you can't go too far with it. But we'll People see. Always and do I will keep go that too mind. far with things. Uh, yeah, not that's necessarily with a guy like this though. Luis Castillo. But that's 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 speed and pitching. Those things are a lot more difficult to to nail. And if you can get such a premium at them. You want to? I mean, you're you're more inclined to overpay or, or to really jump it up. That should be batting average. Batting average, because it actually is yeah, much but more it's hard not. to nail, it, uh, and it's much more fluky. And so, if you can get a guy like this, that if you think is going to get 600 plate appearances and for sure be a 300 yeah. hitter, then you know, maybe he should be higher. <laughs> I'm like talking batting myself into runs. taking him higher than I, I want mean, to take him. He does the two categories that get the shortest shrift: batting average and runs. So, Luis Arise. Good late pick. If he stays 250 and under, he'll be on tons of my yeah, teams. Yeah, I think that's perfect. Now let's talk about some really interesting players um, recently, some that have performed, some that we're waiting to perform, and even one really interesting rookie and see what Steamer says for them coming up next year. And let's start with Cattell Marte. I added this one. Uh, so if you looked at the sheet, uh, if you haven't looked at it in the last five minutes, you probably didn't see that I added Marte because I was like, hmm, he would actually be worth discussing. Of course, he's coming off a brilliant, brilliant breakout season where he hit 32 homers, 10 steals, 329 average. Next year, they've got him for 296, 22 homers, 82 ribbies, 79 runs, and eight stolen bases. Just still pretty darn good. Like even even as a a regression, I don't really have a problem with that. I, I, I feel like that's that's pretty fair. I don't know that it would necessarily make Marte worth the price that yeah, you have to pay right that's now. That's the problem. So how do you balance those two factors? Like, first off, what do you think of the projection? And then what do you think of it related to the price that we're paying for Marte right now? I think it's interesting. I, I'd love to find out why he's projected to only hit 22 home runs coming off. I mean, is this a matter of they think the ball is going to be less bouncy? Is this a matter of uh, the health? Because that's my biggest concern with him. It's a matter of going from 14 to 32 yeah. and, and you know, may, being careful not to just say, well, this is his new level. I mean, they project him for 150 games. If he gets 150 games, I think he's hitting like 27, 28 home runs. What's, uh, what's, what, what health issues has Did he had? Did he end the year with like a back issue? Diagnosed with a stress reaction in his back. Was shut down for the rest of the season. Yep. And yeah, that, that I mean, yeah, he ended like, the season. I, I don't like back issues. We've talked about this before. Yeah, I don't either. Um, I don't know. I'm not that concerned. Yeah, it just, it's just something I, that's know, kind of should... taken him off my early boards. I think it'll be a lot like well, he is expensive. Uh And I don't want to pay that price until I know he's healthy. So he comes back in spring training, uh, pitchers and catchers report, and good reports are coming out, then I'll be back in. Uh, but uh, until I get some reports on where his back is at, and that's the hard part about kind of the late fall, winter months, is we don't necessarily get a ton of really good information on what players are doing and how healthy are they and things like that. So unless it's really bad news. Um, yeah, that's true. Uh, usually it's it, the news that comes out is worse because they're going to get a procedure or something to that effect. And so we'll see if anything like that happens with Cantel Marte, but hopefully not. Um, but yeah, this projection, I think, I think makes sense. Um, you know, shaving off ten homers is probably prudent, and then if you if you feel he can beat it, then that works. You know, I, I've talked about this repeatedly, but I'll mention it again. I still think there's the, the speed is there to do more than sure. this. The 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 ten or the six, the ten uh, that he's done the last two years, and then the eight that they haven't projected for. It's really just a matter of if he wants to, and I don't know. And then, of course, your back concern with uh, Marte would come into play there, too. If, if that is something that crops up at all, he'd be less inclined to run. Although, his speed did fall off last year. The last the, the two years, 17 and 18, he was really speedy. And then this past year, he did fall down a bit. Um, so, okay, I'm keeping an eye on that. He lost almost a foot of sprint speed. Wow. But but even, you know, like there's first of all, I will say this. So that, the blazing speed isn't there uh, or wasn't in 19 for Marte, but guys with 27.9 feet per second sprint speeds, uh, plenty of them have great stolen base holes. It's not always the blazing speed. 
but at least that that isn't still there, just wasting away that he could uh, he could be better with it. I still like Cattell Marte. I just am worried about the price. I'm a big fan of the player. Dual eligibility, though, too. Second base and outfield. And second base kind of sucks. Yeah, second so. base isn't great. So, yeah, I'm... I, I'm I'm gonna be cautious early on in draft, so I think that's that's where I'm at. He went early fourth round in in my league. Uh, I think the thirty eighth pick. So that's high. It's it's expensive to get Marte. If you want him, you're paying. He so went later than I expected him to go. I believe in mine. Uh, so How much late? that I can't even find him. Uh, oh, no, he went third round. He's never been taken. He went third round there in your yeah, league? That's in, yeah, so kind of uh, end of the third round uh, to uh, uh, Al Melchior. So uh, I don't think I could do that right now. It's expensive. Maybe, especially in a 12-team league. Yeah, I just can't do that right now. There's just too much good talent. Well. I mean, yeah, it, it's tough. It's tough, and and your concerns about the back are not unfounded. And so we'll see what what goes on with that if we can get any news. Let's move on to the next guy here because we are on a time limit. We might not get to all these, so I'm, I might shave a few here in the middle. But uh, Aristides Aquino is interesting to me, and for a full season, the Steamer likes him to go 240 with the batting average, but 34 homers, 85 ribbies, 72 runs, and eight steals. He's got a little bit of chip and speed that I think kind of makes him interesting. Um, he stole, I think he was five for five in his limited time in the majors, which is, is really, or seven for seven, excuse me, in just, uh, 225 fight appearances. So maybe the eight is selling him short. You don't just extrapolate the seven, but I think, you know, giving him 400, almost 400 more plate appearances and just one extra steal is a little light for me, but the 34 homers. 85 ribbies. What do you think of Aristides? I always love stuff like this. And similar thing with Mondesi. Uh, when you see a guy have these kind of numbers projected, and then you see him projected for a 93 WRC plus, always makes me laugh. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, it's that batting average, you know, and, of, and it'll yeah. be subsequently yeah, holding it down. Uh, I have a hard time buying into this. Uh, this line it is he was so bad for that stretch and uh i think he i don't think he's maybe as bad as he was during that uh that stretch where he like didn't have a hit for like seven years yeah um obviously he's not so how is this not a prototypical justin player what do you like what are you talking about you don't like him don't you like the gallows and the friend mill races and the hunter Renfros of the world why not I I think if I think if he is why wouldn't they play a 26 year old who showed what he showed even with the even with the meltdown he still had an 891 OPS who are they going to play over him in Cincinnati that's the question is you know so so why isn't the playing time there I think this is a team that looks at themselves as a potential competing team this year sure Uh, and and putting Aquino in in one of the corners is part of it, that. But if he if he starts off the year slow, like that could be it. Okay. I, there's that, just a ton of risk. It's not to that. out of bounds, but but again, you love. That. I'm surprised to hear that you don't like him though, because this is exactly the kind of player you like. Uh, you know, Will Myers. So you're much a fan of. But there's there isn't like I mean I guess Will Myers you know fell off. Completely, but cut. yeah, he struck out twenty seven percent with a seven percent walk there rate. Was, like that's in line like, with these the, with, with like like the average, you know, is you know may suck and stuff like that. But like we had a pretty good idea that we were at least going to get power and speed from Will Myers. Now, and that's what we're going to get from Aquino. I don't know. I I mean, I why wouldn't he hit for power? Because he's not playing. If he struggles, I, I think he, I don't know why. If this is a team that wants to compete and he struggles, they're not going to play him. Yeah, yeah, they will because unless somebody emerges that that clearly takes it over, they will. Look what they did. Like, look how they kept playing the guys in their offense the beginning of this year when they when nobody could hit their way out of a wet paper bag. Like, I don't think this is somebody they give up on after three weeks. 
even if bad, even if it's a bad three weeks for Aquino. You haven't named the one reason that you can get off the hook here because I'm I'm really holding your feet What's to the, the fire on this. This is such a your type of player. There you go. That's the only thing that I'll hear from you. Otherwise, you're totally contradictory. No, I'm not. There's a ton the of players risk that you love. Here. You love risk. These are the players you I do love, not. dude. What are you talking about? Yes, you do. Joey Gallo, Will Myers, Hunter Renfro, Fran Morales, they, all these type of players. They don't have the kind of risk that Aquino has. They have playing Bullshit. time. And we. I know so – no, no. There's a difference between not l- – Hunter Renfro and Fran Reyes did not have any guaranteed playing time. That Okay, that's fair there with those guys. But I wasn't in on those guys coming into the – or Fran Miller was. Renfro wasn't. Yeah. Um. Okay. But you were you were in on the bigger risk, to be quite honest. Renfro had the more established playing time. But okay, so the price is where I'll let you off the hook a bit because the player type, I think you're crazy for pretending that he's not right in line with your player type. Two early mocks, pick one eighteen. That's pretty high. Um, I don't think he's gone in no. my draft yet because we're slow as hell. What round are you guys in, by I think the way? We're in round six. Okay, you guys are even slower uh, than us. Oh no no no, we're in eight. Okay, yeah, we just started seven. And listen, I'm oh, a, I'm not. I sound like I'm. I'm really bad. I'm not losing today. my mind. We're, over we're at eleven. It. There you go. That that's my. Let me point. see if he's gone. But we're in seven, and um, again, I'm not usually one. I don't sit there and like bang the drum and and re, you know crush everybody that's not picking. We're just moving slower. I crush uh, Plain and simple. I know. I know. Some of you guys get into slow yeah, mocks and then cry when it's slow. Uh, Which like t- I totally get yet? it, but like there's especially like things like TGFBI. People got really upset at other people. There's no actual, especially when you're in uh in a league with an overall, uh like there's no benefit to finishing first. Like, exactly. There's actually, a benefit to finishing to later because you're getting more information. More information, exactly. So shut the hell up. I know we want to make picks. Like I get it. But some people get so nauseating about it that I'm, I, I almost want to slow down. Now, I don't. When my pick's up, I, I make my picks. The only time that I'm late is if I'm busy and I truly don't see it. But I would never just, like, let a pick sit or anything like that. But it gets so frustrating. So he, yeah, he's but, still yeah, we're just a little bit slower. My... So he's going to go cheaper. I, I think the two early mocks are, are setting a false price. I don't think Aquino's going to go that high. It's and I think if you just look at come it down, because you got to remember we were like in the, like the beginning of September when those were going on Bingo, and, and they and, moved uh, pretty quick. Two, two of them where he went 83 and 86 and none of the others did he go higher than 124. So I think Aquino's going to be more of a 120 to 150 can't pick. I just can't do it. Other than, I was gonna say, does that yeah. bring you back into the fold? No, I just, I, I do. I believe there's so much risk uh, that things could just. Now, obviously, I like. I don't believe he was the player he that he was in like the last month of the season. Um, mm-hmm. but I mean that huge start uh, to the uh, to to his career. To his career, isn't yeah. What he is either. Uh, no, I mean nobody's nobody's that though. Uh, you start that electric it's it's incredible and uh, you know outside of maybe a top pedigree acuna type if he had started on fire like that or, or trout that's I mean, one if it thing was like, but not aristides aquino if it was like 240 with like 25 home runs i'd feel a lot better about that projection i did 35 is so especially if we are going to get regression in the ball i but I don't think this projects for that. They yeah. they have to kind of use because they're using the nineteen numbers, so that that inherently includes the ball. I don't know. I believe in the power, and I actually think there's a speed contribution. I don't love the price for Aristides Aquino, but other than that, I actually kind of agree with the projection. Uh, save that I would actually add four to five stolen bases to make it even better, and maybe okay. Wait, back why up a couple would you add four to five stolen bases? 30. Because he went, because he, he has some real speed. Um, he has a few double-digit stolen base seasons in the minors, and he went seven for seven in fifty-six games, and he was five for six in the minors. So he had twelve this past year in five hundred and fifty plate appearances. Why would I give him no, just I, eight? Actually, I'm going to agree with you because I, I just went and looked at his 
where his stolen bases came from out, out of the batting order, and, and it's probably where he's going to be, which is fourth. So uh, yeah, I I feel like he's a uh, a nice contribution guy, uh, similar to like a Juan Soto, where you look up because you're not expect that's not what you're getting him for at all, and then all of a sudden you realize that your Aquino went when you know twelve for fourteen on the bases, and you're like, oh damn, okay, sick, thanks, dude, and so. That, that's that's where I'm getting at. Uh, okay, let's move on to Byron Buxton, somebody you'd probably take instead of I a totally keynote because they're being drafted in a similar area. And uh, again, contradicting the crap I'm on not. yourself. He's going to, as so long as risk. he's healthy, he's going to play. But, but he's never healthy. Stop. Stop. You he's going to play that. every now, day as long as now, he's healthy. I understand you're talking playing time risk with mm-hmm. a Kino if he flops. But there's playing time risk with Buxton because of health, and you know damn well that it is. I'm not going to be in it. this year either because the price somehow went up. So what do you mean somehow? Because the clowns like you who just never stop buying on this guy. Look, I get it. The skills Last are Last year was my Here's first the- year buying it on him. And you got 10 and 14 for your it, troubles. Yeah, Here's what they it got. It started off really well, too. That's the hard part. 261, 20 homers, 73 ribs, 74 runs, 23 steals. It's an electric profile. Like I get I, it. I, I, I love him as an idea. As an idea, right? Yeah, the idea that if he could magically reach these 550 point appearances, how sexy could it be? But the, the I mean, just the injuries just continue to pile up. He's only going to be 26. I like I get it. Somehow I don't I understand. Like, I just don't get how these projection systems work. Sometimes. How do you project him for 602 plate appearances when he's never had that at the major league level? Okay, so that's depth chart. That's what you're saying is that when he's yeah. – that's ours. Yeah, like I, I, I don't know who's doing it, who, who did his, but – No, no, no. Your bigger question – because you can't project injury. You can't predict it. I so think with him you like, can. You're going to bake in an injury. Yeah, you should bake in an injury. That does, it doesn't really make sense. Like you can't you can't do that. So, but the question that you could have, I think, would be more with the steamer itself, because they're not so focused. Like we're doing a depth chart. Okay, okay. I'm where, sorry. A steamer five fifty. Like he's never had yeah. five fifty in the major leagues. No, no. And so that okay. that I get. I, I was I'm defending our depth charts because we're saying he's the center fielder unless he gets hurt. If he gets hurt, we will adjust the playing time down. But we do okay. not make that inherent projection when Jeff is running the uh, – actually, no, it's Dan Zimborski now. He- hello, Jeff Sullivan's with the Tampa Bay Rays. <laughs> um, but, yeah, when it's uh, when Dan is doing those, he just has to say, Buxton's the center fielder until I see otherwise. If and when he gets hurt, I will move his okay. percentage you, you down. Can, you Steamer's can the one the that you line. question. It's fine. <laughs> I, no, I will. I will absolutely back the company on that one because I'm sure people have said the same thing. How the hell does he have 602? So when you're looking at depth charts, I think you treat it a little bit differently than the steamer themselves. Now, steamer, we could ask them why they gave him 550 because they're kind of taking all the information that that we have, and you'd wonder why they would see that he could get to 550 because they are supposed to factor more, more of those injuries, if I understand their process correctly, which – it's still not a full season, so they are giving him a DL stint or an IL stint here. But you're saying you'd go lower. What what would your projection be for plate appearances on a Byron Buxton? Four hundred. And I still feel yeah, I think, like that is a little rich. He's only done yeah. that once. Maybe you start there, but I, you know it's tough. It's tough. I, I don't envy them. Um, for reference, one thirty six on average in the two earlies. Is he gone in your league yet? Uh, I'm sure he is at this point. Yeah. We're in the seventh round, so he's not in mine. So I'm going to lean on you for some of these later guys. You can do control F, by the way. I'm on my phone with it. Oh, okay. That makes it tougher. Yeah, it it does. And, you know, I'm kind of stupid, and I should have brought it up on my... uh... Actually, I don't know. I will he's say, still around you know, in the eleventh round. I was just about to say because the eleventh round starts at pick one twenty one. If he's going on an average of one thirty six, twelve teamer. I keep forgetting. I'm like, uh. yeah, and and only three outfielders. So keep that yes. in mind too. So that actually makes sense that Buxton's still available, and it's a head to head format where the speed you can actually punt a little bit more I'm easily. Not, so, so okay, I, I could take him, but there you go. Let's move on to another speedster, and, and a speedster who really went off this past year, 
And he was one of the first ones I looked up. As soon as Steamer was out, I was like, I have to see what they're doing with Danny Santana after an insane year. Now, this is not the projection. This is what he did in 19. 283, 28-21 with 81 and 81 runs and ribbies. Just just an insane season. To your point, though, by the way, that season, 283, 324, 534, gave him a 111 WRC+. Gosh, the offensive environment was insane. Uh, but he struck out 30% of the time, walks 5%. It's like, what a weird profile. So what does Steamer do? They give him 19 homers, 66 ribbies, 18 steals, 65 runs, and a 248 average. So they bring that average way down, as they should, and all of a sudden, it's you know it's approaching a 2020 type of season with 19 and 18. What do you think of Danny Santana at this projection level? Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to make of it, but uh, I think that's fair. Like, I it feels weird for me to say this because I I feel like this is one of those guys that should just disappear into nothing. Uh, but I think that is a really fair projection, and he's gonna bat in the middle of a decent Texas lineup. Uh, yeah, we talked about you hit on that early, and the only reason that you, you might have lost a little bit at the end was injuries. But early, in, like you hit on early in the year that they were going to be a quality lineup, and they damn well were, with Chu leading the way, Gallo playing like a literal MVP candidate for big parts of it. Uh, Hunter Pence was playing really well. Domar Bizarra, Alvis Andrus, you know, and Willie Calhoun came up, so they had some pieces there. You were right. Now Santana. It's going to be a big part of that. Uh, he'll be in the middle. Now, one of the things that helps me, you said this is a guy who should just disappear. Maybe if he was limited at a position, but he can play everywhere. So that's going to keep him in the lineup pretty dang regularly. And so he is going to collect those plate appearances. And you have a season like that, I guess you do deserve a chance to see what kind of encore you can do. You know, nobody believes in the 283 average because he strikes out 30%. And it, you just... Those two things just don't go together, even if you're striking the ball well. But uh, he deserves a chance. And because of what we do with fantasy with speed, his power-speed combo plays. Now he goes on an average. He's not going to be taken in any of our drafts, so we don't have to look that up. He goes on an average of pick 210. Is that something you'd be willing to pay for a Danny Santana who's going to be eligible at outfield, first, outfield and first, and then second in um, – in shout in leagues that go 15 games or or, or 10 games or lower because he played 17 there or 15, 10 games or higher I should say. Um, what do you think about that outfield first base, like Danny Santana? Price. It sounds like where Aquino should be going. I, I I do agree with that part. Like if Aquino was down there, I would have hella shares. But as, as it stands, the price is a little bit rich for Aquino. Santana, meanwhile, the the market is saying, hey, we don't quite believe in this. 210 seems and, pretty I mean, fair for a power speed guy. He was a 28 year old guy that kind of came out, you know. Oh. That I mean, Danny for Santana sure. was one of those guys that I liked back in the day uh, with Minnesota. Yeah. So I mean, uh, now you know, and he could also potentially gain eligibilities in season. Uh, I mean, he played 15 mm-hmm. games at second, eight games at third, seven games at short. So injuries could force him around to different spots. Yeah, I think this is the perfect Justin Mason kind of guy. Multi-position eligible. A- the batting average is probably going to suck, but there's a chance that if he pops, we get a repeat of what we saw last year, and then he becomes a huge value. He's got power and speed. Uh, this, Yeah, this is a guy that's going to end up on a number of my teams, and it feels gross saying it, but it is. I wonder if this is moderately interesting. Now, this is a tiny, tiny sample from 2018 where he uh, literally played 32 plate appearances with the Braves. But I'm looking at his stat cast right now and he started to show a little glimpse where he jumped his exit velo in those 17 batted balls. Again, tiny if it hadn't to been 91 that car accident, miles. I think we would have seen that uh, this that, breakout early. That's a great point to bring up is that he had a car accident that was that really derailed his career. And of course, you know, you can never account for something like that. So earlier in his career, you know, 82, 86, 85 miles per hour, exit velos, not, you know, slappy hitter for sure. This little small sample in 18, it's up to 91. And then it was 91.4 this past season. He lifted the ball more. The launch angle went from 9.4 to 13.5. And we had this breakout. 
sure the ball helped, no doubt, but if the ball is is you know same or, or neutral, I still think we can get you know seventeen to nineteen homers. Uh, if even if it's more of a neutral ball from Danny Santana, I'm with you, man. I think two ten. I'm doing this because he could also add the eligibilities, as you said, if he gets second base as well, because second base sucks, and he got that in season this year. Uh, and again, if you play Yahoo, he already has it. Yeah, yeah, sign me up for Santana. Um, all right, let's do one more here, and I'm going to get rid of the next two. And I will also say one of the guys that we were going to talk about was Luis Robert, but um, just listening to the first 10 minutes of Launch Angle Pod, which our own Jeff Zimmerman's on with Rob Silver and Van Lee, they got into that. So go go listen to that podcast, Launch Angle Pod, and, and hear them discuss where, where Luis Robert is and everything. And I want to finish with you with Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Because one of the things that I've noticed when I've been kind of looking at him is you add his two seasons together, it's basically a full season at this point. And it's a 31-85-7-279 with 82 runs, quote-unquote, season. And Steamer says, yeah, that kind of works. They're not too far off there. They've got him at 265 with 28 9 84 ribbies and 81 runs for Lourdes Gurriel Jr. What do you think about that? Who I want to buy in so bad. I want to buy in so bad. I, I think you got to buy in, right? He's going to play every day. Oh, for I mean, sure. He's he's still pretty young, by the way. Don't uh, don't get confused that his brother's an uh, elder statesman. He's going to be uh, Lourdes is going to be 26 next year. He goes after Big Bro. At uh, pick 155 on average, not a terrible price. It's you know you're paying something, but it's not egregious. And he's going to be an outfielder next year. He could maybe add back that second base eligibility, but they seem set on him no, as an no, outfielder. So just plan on that. Kevin Biggio in the. Oh yeah, that's right, Biggio. Because I was thinking Devin Travis is a free agent, but no, no, no. That's because Biggio is going <laughs> to play there. I think they buried uh, Devin Travis. Well, so. I saw Travis. It was it was admitted or not it was reported on today and so that's why i had that in my head it's like hello he's leaving because biggio's there and why this would he want to stick around year. i i dude i couldn't agree more bichette biggio guriel jr guerrero jr at the top rowdy telez randall gritchuk at five six power guys they could have some sneak rbi totals mm-hmm. those two guys because these other four up front i like and i still love tay oscar no, i can't quit him and he's free <laughs> so i'm gonna uh, go to the grave on that one yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you and and but Gurriel, man, twenty eight and nine, um, at pick one fifty with a decent batting average and maybe even some batting average upside. He he's hit two eighty one and two seventy seven in the two years. They're bringing it down to two sixty five, which I think is prudent, based on on his plate profile. But the way he strikes the ball, he can sometimes beat his his strikeout walk numbers and 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 some of his contact stuff, and so he could actually beat the batting average projection. I'm in I'll on this. I'll be interested to see what I mean, and, and this is kind of goes the same for Danny Santana. I'll be interested to see what like the Blue Jays do in the offseason. Are they going to be buyers yes. at all? Do they bring anybody else into the outfield mix? Because there's no one to take his spot. Like unless you believe no, in uh, Billy McKinney, um, Anthony Alford, you know, for the the ghost of Forest Wall, um, you know. <laughs> wow, what a pull. I haven't thought yeah. about Forrest Wallen. He started as a Colorado prospect way back when he was a first-round pick. I Man. Mean, Jonathan yeah, Davis. Jonathan like, Davis. There's nobody that's going to and, – and if somebody pops up, it's he's not going to be first on the list to be replaced. Roddy Tellez. Fisher. Fisher. Uh, or Oscar. Oscar yeah. Let's be honest. So, I mean, there's, there's a number of other guys who could be replaced way before they'll replace uh, Guriel, who's got a guaranteed contract. So, uh, I – yeah – I, I, I wonder about whether or not this average is going to hold up. Um, but I, I would take him. Here's the thing. I agree with you because uh, it, it, that's why they that's why they regressed it. But I would take him at like a 255 yeah, clip. Too. I, I think like I would still be in on this power. Runs, seven stolen bases seems right to me. Yeah, with the uh, the and the RBI numbers could be even better than the 84 they give him because, as you mentioned, the top of this lineup's really intriguing with Bichette and Biggio. Now they have Guriel ahead of Vlad, but if they flip those and put Guriel in the four spot, we'd like him even more for the RBI count. 
So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by him, and that's why I wanted to include him, kind of get our flag planted on Lourdes Gurriel Jr. I figured we'd both be in, and uh, he's really interesting. And so uh, that's a little, little look at Steamer. They're on the website. You can take a look on anybody's profile page. You can go to the projections tab and look at things. I do recommend the Steamer 600 to take a look at, too. I was just giving you the, the set ones. But um, as Rob Silver notes, playing time projections are very difficult at this point. So if you just want to give everyone 600 and see where the skills are at, the Steamer 600 is a good thing to look at. Maybe next time out, you and I can talk some pitchers who might be yeah, interesting. sounds good to me. All right, man. Well, I think I'm getting you out right on time here, and, uh, and we'll talk right, next week. Take it easy.